That's what it sounded like Saturday night outside the Israeli consulate in downtown Toronto. An estimated 250 people, mostly Jews, came out for what organizers billed as a vigil for democracy. The event was arranged by J-Space Canada, with six more progressive groups joining in. At issue is their worry about what kind of country Israel may become under the new right-wing coalition government of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The Canadian rally was purposely timed to coincide with the huge protests held in Tel Aviv and other major centres in Israel on Saturday. Then, Israel's current ambassador to Canada, Ronan Hoffman, took to Twitter on Saturday night and announced that he was resigning because of the new Israeli government. And his tweets made a lot of ripples, even though Hoffman himself is not giving interviews. He wrote that, quote, his personal and professional integrity, unquote, don't allow him to continue to serve and Israel should find someone else soon so he can go home by the summer, although he will still do his job, he says, with passion until then. Hoffman is the second Israeli ambassador to quit in a very public way. The ambassador to France gave her notice three weeks ago. Both she and Hoffman were political appointees from the Yesh Atid party, which is now Netanyahu's main opposition. I do think that this is a a clear message to Canadian Jewry that we have to speak out. That if someone who's serving the government of Israel in a high-level diplomatic post is saying, I can't do this because these, you know, these proposed laws and the laws that have already passed are in violation of my personal ethics. What does that mean for us? You know, what does that mean for the position of of staying silent anymore? I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, January the 23rd, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. <music> Ronane Hoffman was elected to Israel's Knesset for the new Yesh Atid party under leader Yair Lapid 10 years ago, and he served for two years with Benjamin Netanyahu's coalition government of the day. But as we know about Israeli politics, coalitions break up, and the Yesh Atid party has changed sides, and the country's gone through five elections in recent years alone. Hoffman got the nod for Canada's ambassadorship in 2021 during the brief time when Yesh Atid was in power in a coalition agreement with Naftali Bennett's party. The Canadian Post usually goes to career diplomats from inside Israel's Ministry of Foreign Affairs who aren't tied to any party. But with Netanyahu making his comeback just a few weeks ago, observers say the new regime wants to put their own people in. So was Hoffman's announcement made to wound Netanyahu? Or maybe he did a Lisa Laflamme and took control of the narrative before he got canned. And what does this all mean for Canada-Israel relations? Well, we'll hear from J-Space Canada a little later in the show. But first, I'm joined from Tel Aviv by Vivian Berkovich. She's Canada's former ambassador to Israel. And she knows a thing or two about what Ronan Hoffman went through because she was appointed by Conservative Prime Minister Stephen Harper in 2014. And then a year and a half later, after Justin Trudeau and the Liberals took over, she was fired. Now she's a columnist who also runs her own news platform, State of Tel Aviv. And she joins me now. When you saw this, how surprised were you? You wrote to me, wow. (laughs) 
Well, yeah, I had just woken up and I hadn't had coffee yet. But um, yeah, wow. I mean, look, when somebody in that sort of position resigns, it's it's always kind of sets you back on your heels a bit. Having said that, you know, he's just getting ahead of the guillotine, so to speak. Uh, there is a lot of bloodletting going on at the moment with respect to um, appoint political appointees within the public service and key institutions in Israel. They're the new government is coming down swiftly and hard uh, and letting people go. Ronan Hoffman, I think, just got ahead of the curve, knew what was coming and probably wanted to control his own exit. Yet he came to this post full of uh, prior, you know, priorities to link with the indigenous community in Canada to do much more um, joint research and development to fight terrorism. He was very optimistic about coming here and doing doing good job here. And all of a sudden, even days after the New Year post that he made a video saying, I, I'm looking forward to being here for Israel's 75th anniversary. So how how quickly does this decision come when just a few days after the Netanyahu government was sworn in, he was saying, I'm here for, you know, for a long time. I'm sure that everything he said, he meant. I, I wouldn't doubt his genuineness for a moment, you know, in terms of his continued commitment to the job. But, you know, I experienced this as well. When one is a political appointee and a new government comes in, one never really knows how the new government is going to behave. But, but, but the, the timing, timing was very interesting. Why do it on the same night? Why Why do it that way at all? Why tweet about it? There's so much going on here that is so dramatic um, that whatever, with to all, all due respect to Ambassador Hoffman, whatever motivated him to or not, um, it's not making huge waves here. It just won't. Okay, we feel, people in Israel, that we are... In my view, we are at the most critical juncture of the nation's history, possibly even more important than the creation of the state in 48, because we have a seismic clash of culture. What's going on here is it's not just judicial reform or this or that or dairy being a recidivist, you know, criminal. Um, that's Arya Dairy, the uh, the Shas cabinet minister. This is about whether or not Israel continues as a liberal democratic state and the value and priority to which Israeli, which Israel is attached to that. That's what's going on here. Or do we become more theocratic? Do we prioritize Jewish religious law? Halacha. That's what's going on. Okay. And, and it's impossible to describe the anger, the fury and this really pervasive sense of gloom and doom. And it's not, it's not hysterical. Um, it's not dramatic. It's, it's just, it, I mean, the, the future character, democratic character of the country is at stake, period. I'm, I'm not even getting into the economic issues and all that. So when you ask, why did he choose to do it last night? Again, I can only speculate. Um, is it dramatic? Of course, it's dramatic, um, but he wanted to be dramatic. Clearly, who knows? Maybe he had been speaking to Lapid last night, and and Lapid told him about the energy at the demonstrations. It was one hundred and twenty thousand, by the way, not a hundred, in the pouring rain last weekend for the first one. When I went out, um, there were a hundred thousand, and you know, Israelis like they're tough, but man, not during what they call winter, they melt, and. Um, 
it was pouring and people brought out there there were the elderly were out it was all ages young children and again last night it was the same thing the, the cabinet was um today i guess you saw the news in on sunday we're recording right, right. today sunday but we'll be broadcasting monday that aria Derry was booted from cabinet after the the high court said hey he can't be serving he's got too many criminal um criminal records on his past and he's not qualified well so first of all i just want to clarify this point because it's important um netanyahu's uh made a point of saying that he had asked Dairy to leave cabinet with a heavy heart. Okay. And um, it's being discussed openly that both he and Dairy and legal advisors are working to try to figure out how they can kind of deal with this. Had Netanyahu not um, asked Dairy to leave or fired him, he was going to be in contempt of court. Okay. This ruling came down from the Supreme Court three days ago. He took his sweet time in dismissing Dairy given the severity of the situation. And the Supreme Court came to the conclusion that Derry was not suitable to serve as a cabinet minister, never mind with like two huge portfolios, because, well, for two reasons. One is it was just patently unreasonable that a recidivist um, criminal who has been convicted of crimes. Breach of trust and, and financial crimes. We should just oh, yeah. clarify, yeah, for our listeners, yeah. I mean, basically corruption-related, uh, you know, things. Um, that it was just patently unreasonable that someone with this character um, should be serving in such high and trusted office. And keep in mind, uh, on top of everything, he was going to be rotating into the Ministry of Finance. Like, this is a serial tax evader. That's number one. Number two... Um, actually, I'm going to give you three. Number two is, um, and these were three of the more right-wing judges, you know, the on the court. And they said, when Derry came before the Jerusalem District Court a year ago in February, he pleaded to lesser crimes. He could have been thrown in jail again on the criminal tax evasion charges that he was facing. He said, you know what, Judge? I'm going to leave public life. I'm out of here. You don't have to worry about me anymore. I'm just going to go quietly. And on the basis of that, the judge was very lenient with him and gave him a suspended sentence and allowed him to plead to lesser charges. And Derry turns around a few months later and says, hey, guess what? I didn't mean like forever. All right. And the judges found that just so reprehensible, so not appropriate to the standard. I don't think an MK should be allowed to sit, but they said you cannot lie to the court and then turn around and pretend it never happened. So those were the two reasons that the Supreme court um, really arrived at their decision. I think it's also important to note that, you know, this government um, keeps trying to, they play it one way or another way. So one minute they're saying, um, ah, you know, it's because the court's all a bunch of left-wingers, right? They're all left-wing. It's an activist court. All they want to do is undermine the legislature. Well, actually, that's not true. I mean, the Justice, Ministry of Justice and Judicial Appointments have been controlled by right-wingers for the last number of years. It was Gidon Saar and Axel Kudnik and Ayala Chaked. And the bench is pretty evenly split now between liberals and right-wingers. There was a poll that came out today that 63% of Israelis believe that dairy is unfit 
for high office. They agree with the Supreme Court. As much as, you know, Bibi and his coalition partners want to spin this as some kind of left-wing cabal, I mean, you know, Yair Lapid is not a leftist. I am not a leftist. Bogi Alon, uh, a former Likudnik, former IDF chief of staff, uh, minister of defense, is not a leftist. Gidon Saar is not a leftist. This is a cross-partisan clump of people, huge cohort of the population that is deeply, deeply concerned. By the way, despite Berkovich's intense opposition to pretty much everything Itamar Ben-Gavir stands for, she does support his push to allow Jews to pray publicly at the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, which is also the site of the Al-Aqsa Mosque. It's been a flashpoint since Israel captured it in 1967. Jews can visit the area in a very limited way, but Arab leaders and the UN consider anything more as a provocation, and Jews get accused of storming the site, and that often sparks riots and violence. I want to bring in Joe Roberts now. He's the new chair of JSpace Canada, the progressive Jewish group that organized Saturday's vigil for democracy rally. So, Joe, your rally for your vigil for for democracy came on the same day as the protests in Israel, but it also was coincided with the the launch on social media of Ambassador uh, Ronen Hoffman's announcement that he wants to be recalled. What do you make of it? You know, I think there's always this question with the ambassadors serve at the pleasure of the government are politically appointed you know dr hoffman was appointed by by the previous prime minister very different political outlook obviously you know this uh, is now saying on the on the, publicly and on the floor of the knesset maybe that this government is is trying to lead the country towards civil war so maybe not in a total agreement with the government i think that's got to be pretty understood and so i think it's it is a it is a very critical and very serious uh change and i think it'll be really interesting to see how both the institutional Jewish community in Canada and our government responds to this, because I think it's it's got to be sending some shockwaves, you know, through Ottawa as well. You said you heard about it earlier until the tweet came out Saturday night. What, what did you hear? How did you hear about this? Well, it pays to be hyper looped in on Twitter. You know, you hear rumors floating around earlier in the day uh, that this may be coming. And then, you know, I didn't actually expect to see it directly come from him. But I was glad to. I think that the message was responsible, but it was clear, right? That there is a this is a problem and this is a concern, and you know that he he didn't feel that he could align with it any longer. And this is not just you know uh, Dr. Hoffman. We've seen the the ambassador Israeli ambassador to France also resign, much more vocal about uh, about the reasons for that. We've also seen you know uh, actual Israeli artists and performers. We've heard from who've said I'm turning down uh, I'm turning down you know, payment from organizations and things who will refuse to speak out. So this is a, I think this is a change that's happening where a lot of folks are just saying like, I can't simply do my day-to-day job and ignore what's happening on the ground in the state of Israel. Now, it was very, very careful in his tweets. He did not say, I don't like this. I don't like that. He just mm-hmm. said, because of the change in government and the change in policy, it's again, you know, I can't for professional and and, and personal integrity continue to do this, but I'll stick around until they find someone. Normally, when an ambassadorship changes, they don't go public on this. It's kept Mm -hmm. quiet. And then they'll do an exit interview. He's refusing to do exit interviews, I asked. Well, I think that sends a lot big message, right? Uh, he felt the need to distance himself from this government, right? In a very clear way, in a very public way. And I think that word integrity is very important here. 
you know, he chose that. I'm sure every word in that tweet was chosen quite carefully, as you said. And the word integrity is meaningful, right? He, he's saying what they're doing goes against what gives someone integrity. Uh, what they're proposing goes against the idea of Israeli integrity in the global sphere. So that is a very important word. And I think we have to think about that in our context. You know, what does integrity look like for us as Canadian Jews in the language that we use right in this moment around Israel? What does integrity look like in our actions around Israel? Um, and, you know, I think we have to find our voice. I, I often quote Plutarch. Uh, he said, you know, the courage is the midway point between uh, recklessness and cowardice. And I think we have to be really careful about that. But I think we need to find that courage right now and say, this is the time. I understand that there are you know, communal implications of what I say. And I understand that there are implications for the Jewish community in, in the global picture and the way that we're viewed in Canada even. But I think, you know, a lot of people are waiting to hear what we say and follow our lead on this. And I think we have to be the first to speak out. You know, Canada's relationship with, with Israel is changing. Uh, our importance in that relationship is changing. It's becoming you know, much different from a funding relationship. Canada is now the second largest funder of people-to-people -people work in, in the territories, right? Besides the United States. That's significant, right? And so I think that that relationship is recognized. You know, we're hearing from, on, from, on the security side that you know, Israel is very visible uh, in the West Bank and in this work. And so we know that, you know, this relationship has a much more complex nature than it did even a decade ago. You said Israel's very visible. Excuse you mean Canada. me. Canada is very visible. Yeah. You know, the, the Canadian vehicles are visible uh, going, traveling and doing this work. So it is very, uh, I think this relationship is becoming much more complex between Canada and Israel. And it's becoming a, a, a much more important relationship. Also thinking about, you know, we are one of the largest Jewish populations outside of Israel, the United States and the world. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Gilbert Weinstock, who writes that, quote, after 1967, when Israel obtained almost all of Israel as a Jewish state, unfortunately, he says, Israeli politicians have, little by little, given away parts of Israel and received nothing in return. Plus, he says, they allow the Arabs to take over large chunks of Israel. Now, he says, there are finally some politicians who might want to do something about it, unquote. We'll be back tomorrow with episode six of Some Honorable Mention, where Ron Silag will join me as we pay tribute to some high-profile Jewish community leaders who have passed away recently, including Rabbi Baskin, Albert Reichman, Doreen Brownstone, and Maximilian Pollock. Thanks for listening. We'll talk then. 